Perception, Perception is, is reality. Reality. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Step right up. Come on in. Sit right down. I hope you're doing fine. I am doing very well. Thank you for clicking on this link. We have this wonderful opportunity to chat. This is the 183rd episode of the show. Thank you all very much for being here. All I have to say is it's feeling a little easier. Have you noticed? I really think that I'm coming around, that I found my voice. I feel like it's more comfortable chatting with you all about my thoughts, about the goings-on in and around us locally or elsewhere. And again, to me, a lot of that comes back to you, each and every one of you as a group, but specifically you, you specifically. You that listens week in and week out, that tune in to my live video commentaries and all of the communication, you've really helped me to see how important this all is, and I thank you for that. I thank you first and foremost for listening each and every week and for sharing the show. I thank you, thank you, thank you. I can never thank you enough. Above and beyond and ahead of everything, I thank God, my God, my creator, my family, my friends, and again, I've got to give thanks to you for doing what you do and listening, communicating, it means so much. As always, please share the show with everyone you know. Remind folks to search the podcast by name, Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, on their favorite podcast player. Tell them to subscribe so they never miss an opportunity to hear when new episodes air every Tuesday or various other times if we have bonus content. Or if they don't have a favorite hosting site, we can always be found at the home link perception.fireside.fm. Again, that is perception.fireside.fm. They can search for us by name on Google, or they can simply enter Bilbrey Podcast. We'll pull right up that way. And lastly, of course, don't forget to check us out on Facebook. That's for all of the live videos and my other written content. That's facebook.com forward slash bilberry318, B-I-L-B-R-E-Y 318, or Christopher H. Bilberry on Facebook. All right, folks, another week has passed us by, and I'm still seeing so much that I have issues with. And I'm seeing so much out of a group of candidates that are running to change things that I feel so, so blessed to be seeing. And I just feel like we are in the perfect storm right now of craziness occurring. And there are good candidates that are running. And we could really, really, really be upsetting the apple cart this election, and I, I really hope that that's what's going on, and I hope that we are able to make a difference this election cycle. I'm seeing some behavior out of a couple people that really, one of these shocked me. It, it really shocked me seeing one of these men do, do what they did. The other one, not so much. The other one's basically par for the course. I, I could have expected it. But Basically, I'm seeing this behavior out of a couple elected officials. One of them is currently running for re-election. The other one ran for re-election two years ago, was re-elected, and then he'll be up for re-election in two years. I, I assume he'll run again. I, I don't really know, but I I've seen this behavior, and I've seen it before, and it's never really set well with me. But, you know, you have to look at why it's happening. You have to look at what's going on. And then, you, you know, you say, is this okay? Is what we're seeing, you know, was there a reason for it? And 
in my opinion, the answer is no. And so what am I talking about? Well, over the course of the last month, month, month and a half, I've witnessed two elected officials in two positions where they were conducting business. One was a town hall where this state legislator, state representative, J.D. Prescott, was talking to his constituents, talking to the citizens of his district about the bills that he and his colleagues were pushing forward. This was the famous town hall that was recorded on the 19th of February that is part of a bonus episode a couple episodes back. And he walks out of the town hall meeting after the first statement is made. Okay? Now, it's my opinion that this town hall meeting is also quote unquote kind of also a campaign event because he's currently running for re-election so not only is he talking as a state representative who's trying to tell the listeners the audience the citizens there hopefully he thinks some of these people are his constituents people who had voted for him and some of them were some of them voted for him the last couple times, but I guarantee you will not be voting for him this time. And so while it's a town hall meeting, which means he's there as a representative and he's talking to the public about what he's been doing as their representative, I also kind of see it as a quote-unquote campaign stop as well because, like I said, he's trying to drum up support. And the first citizen stands up and, and makes a statement, and he runs out of the town hall. He has a conniption, says, you, you don't talk about my mom, and he storms out. And it was a joke. The people there were like, what's going on? You can hear it in the recording. People are kind of like, you can hear them, they, they, they gasp. And then they're like whispering, and a couple of them are laughing, and and the person who's put this event on kind of comes over and admonishes the group and tells them that they need to be polite. And what was said ahead of him walking out was not out of line. It wasn't nasty. It wasn't negative. It was a legitimate comment. And so I think that's ridiculous. But he walks out. Now, they eventually get him to come back in, five, ten minutes go on, and, and then he comes back in, and, and he tells them, like, you know, we don't want to talk about it, and we'll, we'll get into it more. We've already covered all of this, but I'll, I'll cover that here in just a second for the folks that might not have heard it. Now, fast forward until March 8th, which was just a couple weeks after that town hall, in a different county, in a different form of government, we jump over to the Madison County Council meeting where the Madison County, Indiana Council is conducting their monthly meeting and they are talking to a fellow elected official within Madison County government, a one of three Madison County Commissioners, John Richwine, and while they're talking to this commissioner, there's a little bit of back and forth and a little bit of animosity, kind of, because basically what's happened in this situation, the commissioners have moved some folks around in county government, and one of the guys that recently got a new job, apparently, in Madison County government they want to give a $10,000 raise to, and it wasn't part of the budget, which just went through the budgeting process for this year, 2022, just a couple months ago, really honestly. I mean, it's March, so they went through this process, and it needed to be voted on before the first day of November. So just, you know, 
three, four, five months ago, they were talking about all of this, and this $10,000 raise was not budgeted. And so the council, that is the fiscal body that's in charge of being, you know, good with the money, or they're supposed to be, was questioning about this $10,000. And one of the council members, who seems to be someone who is very thorough and likes to have all of the, you know, I's dotted and T's crossed and likes to know where all the figures are at and why this is happening and, and all of that, which is a good, a good way for a council member or any elected official to be thorough, is asking questions of Commissioner Richwine and you can tell that it bothers the commissioner, and he sets down, and they have him up to the podium a couple times, and they're going back and forth. And they ended up voting to not give this person the $10,000 raise. The council that's made up of seven other officials, there's a total of seven council members, voted to not give this person the raise that the commissioners wanted. So then they're talking about another person that's also apparently asking for some money, and they call the commissioner up, and you can tell he's a little testy, and the council member then proceeds to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask you this again, and I know you're going to get sick of hearing this, and at that moment, Commissioner, commissioner Richwine walks out of the meeting. Now, I, when, when he did that, I was like, wait a minute, what is going on here? So now this is the second elected official that I've seen that has been asked or is hearing a legitimate question or a legitimate statement, and instead of acting appropriately... And standing there and talking to the person who is asking the question, instead of saying, can you clarify that? Instead of saying, no, you're wrong. Or instead of like, you know, uh, having the backbone and, and standing on their principles and saying, no, you know, this is the way it is. And this is why. They just walk out. They just turn around and they leave. Well, I'm sorry, but when I saw that, I, I just, I, I, to myself, I said, keep walking, John. Now, I know John Richwine. I, I respect John. I have talked to John before. We've worked together on things. He's told me information. I've given him information. We went back and forth when there were other people uh, in, in charge in, in various aspects of, of Madison County government over the last couple of years. And I've always liked John. And I understand that everybody can have a bad day. Everyone is capable of getting a little angry, maybe saying or doing something that they, they didn't mean. And there are a lot of things that I can forgive if you are an elected official. If you are a person that is acting as a government employee, a public servant, if you are an elected or an appointed official or, or person to a board or that, that's working for the public, because I understand how the public can be. I understand I'm a member of the public, and I understand that I can be hard on people. I understand that sometimes they're going to react in a way that probably isn't the best. So I can forgive them for a lot of different things. I can forgive them for messing up and, and not posting a meeting. I can forgive them for having an executive meeting and taking a vote that they shouldn't have, which results in an open-door violation, and I'm, you know they learn, and we all learn from it and move on. I can, can forgive them for that. I can forgive them for voting poorly on something that, that is a disaster and we have to go back and fight. I can forgive them for a lot of things. 
But what I cannot and will not forgive them for is walking out on their job. That is not something that I am willing to forgive them for. And in my opinion, in my opinion, if you're an elected official, if you are an elected official and you turn your back on your duty, if you turn your back on your constituents, and, and when I say constituents, I mean the body that voted for you or the voting body, maybe some of them voted for you, maybe some of them didn't. But if you turn your back on the voting body of your city, your county, your town, your district, your state, your country, whatever the situation might be, if you turn your back on the citizens, meaning some citizens maybe voted for you, some maybe didn't vote on you, maybe some don't care and didn't vote, but they still pay into the tax base, and so you're working for them. If you turn your back on those citizens, if you turn your back on your job, if you walk away because you don't like how something is said, uh, there's no excuse for that, and there's no forgiveness for me there. Yes, I'll forgive you as a person, and no big deal, whatever, but in my opinion, you should be done. You should be done. If you turn around and you walk, okay, if you turn around and you start walking, don't stop walking. Don't stop. Don't stop walking. Resign. Stop collecting your paycheck. And I think that that can be almost a metaphor for a lot of other actions. And we're going to get into those in just a quick moment, but first we have to take a break. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to this 183rd episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. We'll be right back. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by Vital Farms, established in 2007. Vital Farms, where honest food is raised. Vital Farms' mission is to bring ethical food to the table. They do everything they can to improve the lives of people, animals, and the planet through food. Whether it's giving the girls year-round outdoor access, supporting family farmers, enabling you to trace your eggs back to the farm, or debunking misleading animal welfare claims, you can can always trust Vital Farms to be where honest food is raised. Their pasture-raised eggs, butter, and egg bites are delicious, ethical food that you do not have to question. Vital Farms, where honest food is raised. Check them out at vitalfarms.com today. Ladies and gentlemen, the May 3rd, 2022 primary election is quickly approaching us, and if you're looking to support and vote for a candidate that you can trust, a constitutional conservative, common-sense-driven candidate, then you need to throw your support behind Brittany Bridges-Cloer. That's right. Brittany Bridges-Cloer is your candidate for the State House. She has my full endorsement. She's a friend of the podcast, and I'm asking you to support and vote for Brittany Bridges-Cloer for your next state representative of District 33. Authorized by the Brittany Cloer for Education and Agriculture Committee. Say cocaine in the white closet You're getting late but it just getting started Say Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this 183rd episode of Perception is Reality. I'm back. I didn't walk out on you and I would never do that because if I would... You should probably ask, or I would expect you to ask for me not to come back. And I feel that same way about these elected officials or these candidates. Listen, I've always said that the candidate 
that you're in front of when they're talking to you and they're asking for your vote, what you're seeing right now is how they're going to be when they're in office. If they are attentive, if they're willing to let you talk, if they seem like they're paying attention to you, well, chances are when that person gets in office, they're going to be attentive, they're going to let you talk, they're going to pay attention to you, and you probably have a pretty good candidate, and you'd probably have a pretty good official on your hands. Now, there are times, and we've talked about this in other episodes, where you might get a candidate that's really good at putting on that pretend cap as a candidate, and then they completely turd it out when they're in office and they do something completely different and they turn out to be a great big turd, and that does happen. Sometimes people go downhill from, from what you expect. Uh, there are other times where you're talking to a candidate that just doesn't seem like he or she cares about what you're saying. They only care about getting their message across, and they're not really listening to you. They're not being transparent about themselves, their campaign, what they want to do for you. Uh, they're only bad-mouthing their opponent, yada, yada, yada. And chances are, when they get in office, that's what they're going to be like. They're going to not listen to you, not care about what you're saying, bad-mouth the, the citizens or their, their co-workers, the other officials, and they're going to do what they seem to want to do that that seems like it fits them. They're not going to be concerned about doing the job that you elected them to do. Okay, that's just common sense. So when you're talking to a candidate and this candidate says, yep, you're not worth my time. I don't like what you're asking here. I don't like how you're asking it. I don't like what you're implying. And they just cut out on you. They don't want to answer the question. They don't want to be forthcoming and or they get mad because they feel like you mean something something by the way that you're implying something, then then you need to know that up front because that's how they're going to be in office. As I've said, however someone acts as a candidate, chances are it's going to be that way or worse when they're in office. I've never really seen anybody improve. If you have a shitty candidate, they're not going to become some kind of shining example of an elected official. So if you have candidates who are unwilling to talk with you, don't give them a chance to be an official that is unwilling to talk to you. Now, in these cases, we have these officials who are conducting public business or putting themselves in a position where they're conveying the the facts of what they've been doing and kind of using that in, in J.D.'s case, uh, in the state representative's case, J.D. Prescott, as a campaign stop as well, kind of stumping because he is running for re-election, then it's, in my opinion, twice as bad because, number one, you don't want a candidate, a candidate doing this, and number two, he's an elected official that's supposed to be going over his legislative plans and what they were doing at this point and where they had got at that point in the session, and he's getting mad at the first sign of anyone saying anything. That is a no-go in my book. That's just absolutely... A no-go. How many of you could walk into your place of employment? You know, tell me. Could you go into your job tomorrow and be doing something and your boss, your superior, the owner, the the president of the company or, or whatever, your direct supervisor, walk up to you and say, hey, I need to talk to you about this, this, and this. And you turn around and walk out and leave? What would happen to you if you did that? You're you're right. Your butt would be fired. You can't walk out on a boss. You can't walk out on your supervisor talking to you, conversing with you. What if you're in a meeting and you're supposed to be giving a presentation to your coworkers and to your supervisors, and in the middle of the presentation, 
one of your coworkers or one of the supervisors asks you a question or makes a statement that you don't like, if you just turn around and walk out, are, you know, are you, are you going to be promoted? <laughs> no, you're not going to be promoted. You're going to be told to clean your desk out. You're done. That's that's just how it is. You know, and, and it's not like these guys were faced with anything that was crazy. It's not like these guys were being threatened. It's not like they were sitting there listening to anything that was crazy, off the wall, obscene, or whatnot. They were in. They were in the midst of doing business. They were doing things that people in their positions do each and every day. Do you know how many elected officials hold town halls where they convey information to the public and the public asks questions and sometimes it gets heated? That happens all the time. One of my favorite examples of how you're supposed to deal with this is the 93.1 WIBC radio personality, Rob Kendall. I know some people out there don't like Rob and they think that he's this or that, but I tell you, I, I like that he has a common sense approach to how elected officials should behave with the public. Before he was on the radio, he was an elected official in the state of Indiana. He served on the Brownsburg Town Council, and he has said this multiple times on his show. He said it on the uh, Chicks on the Right when he was a producer. I've heard him say this many, many, many times, that when he was an elected official, however many council meetings they would have a month, one or two, he was to sit there, and he would sit there during the meeting, and he would allow the people to come in and say anything they wanted to say. If they wanted to come in and praise them, he sat there and he took it. If they wanted to come in and call him everything in the book, he would take it because he was getting paid their tax dollars. Now, am I saying that we should go in and beat up on the elected officials? We should go in and curse them and be threatening and violent and crazy? Absolutely not. I'm not saying that at all. Matter of fact, if you're over the top and you're being insane and something nuts is going on, I'm okay with that person creating some distance and getting safe and, and making sure that they're going to be safe and secure and there's not an issue. That said, that's not what was happening in these two situations. Both of these men, both of these adult men who put themselves in the position to be there walked out simply because they were so keyed up they didn't like what was said. They did not like what was said, and so they just said, I don't have to put up with this. And to that, I say, no, 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 you do have to put up with it. You do have to put up with it. It's not okay that they walked out. It's absolutely not okay what they did. And we have to look at what's going on here, and we need to realize that this is a sense of entitlement. When we are in a meeting and they shut you down, and they say, we're not going to listen to you any longer, and they adjourn the meeting, because this is the other thing they do. I said before the break that this could go uh, as kind of a metaphor for a lot of different things. It doesn't have to be them just walking out. What happens when you're at a meeting, and you're up there talking, and they gavel you down, or they adjourn, and they, they all leave? It's the same thing happening. Telling a constituent, a citizen, a member of the public, someone who bothered to leave their family, leave what they were doing on a Monday or Tuesday evening or Monday morning or Monday afternoon, depending on whatever god-awful time your meetings are, and they leave what they're doing, even worse if it's the middle of the day because chances are these people have had to take off work to be there. 
And they've done this. They go through the metal detector and leaving their phone in the car, or leaving their keys, their pocket knives in the car, and getting poked and prodded by security and having to deal with all of that crap and wear masks and socially distance and do all of that nonsense to then come set in the room and listen to a bunch of stuff that they probably don't care about all so they can be heard, so they can feel like the people that is supposed to be representing them will be hearing them. And then they get told what you've got to say doesn't matter. That's outside our purview. We're not interested in what you've got to say. That's not on the agenda. We're not going to let you say that. I'm not going to answer you. To hell with that. And if you have those elected officials, folks, that is the first sign something is wrong. When they do not want to carry on a communication with you, you've got to ask yourself what else is going on behind the scenes. That is the way they stop themselves from being held accountable. That's the first thing they start doing. It, it, it allows them to strip away the three most important points and factors of being a public servant, being willing to communicate, being transparent, and being held accountable. They, they stop communication, they're not transparent when they do it, and they're stopping you from redressing them, from holding them accountable. And we are allowed to do that. Folks, what's really concerning is when these folks are supposed to be constitutionally minded. They're supposed to be members of the constitutional party. I could maybe understand it if, if it was some kind of whacked out progressive left liberal that's way, way crazy with it, or, or the other side, if there was some whacked out alt-right leaning crazy uh, psycho that's on one side or the other to the extreme. But when you're supposed to be a Republican or a Democrat that loves and cares about the Constitution and your oath of office. You're supposed to be there to uphold these things that are so dear to the whole process, and they won't do it? Well, that's a problem. It's even more a problem for me when I see this happening from the so-called Republicans, the so-called conservative Republicans. That is a problem. That is a problem. And, you know, we've been talking about that for the last several weeks. We, we're seeing this supermajority, and it's not just at the state house. It's at the state house. It's in all of the East Central Indiana uh, governments, the city governments in, in Muncie and Anderson and, and Winchester and Newcastle, and it's at the county levels, you know, Madison County and Delaware County and Newcastle and, and uh, Winchester. Newcastle has a pretty good mix of Democrat candidates, so I, or of de Democrat officials, so I, I've got to take them out of there. But uh, the others, you know what I mean. It's, it's, it's Republicans as far as the eye can see. But they sure as hell don't act like Republicans. You know, a, a, a group here in the state of Indiana conducted a survey, a survey of all of the 100 state representatives, the congressmen and women for the state of Indiana at the state level, from all of the districts, District 1 through District 100, they sent them a survey asking about their belief in medical liberty. And this could cover a lot of different areas in today's political climate when talking about medical freedom and the medical liberties that we as Hoosiers, as Americans, should all have. And out of the 100 congressmen and women, out of the 100 state representatives that were sent this survey, only two of them, 
only two of them passed with a pass plus. When they took this survey, they could be scored in one of four ways. They could pass, they could pass plus, or they could fail, or they could fail minus. Only two of the 100 passed with a pass plus. And now the way that you pass with a pass plus is, number one, you take the survey and you answer the survey in such a way that aligns with constitutional, liberty-minded, freedom-minded answers. Okay, and they set up a scorecard system in a way to score the answers. And so they set this up, and you had to have a passing score on this survey, and that would get you a pass. Then, if you were an incumbent, Republican or a Democrat, that was sitting in the General Assembly as a state representative, one of the 100 of them, and you had put forward bills that dealt with medical freedom, medical liberties, or you had voted on bills or amendments that dealt with medical freedoms and medical liberties, or you had fought for medical liberties and medical freedoms, then you could get a pass plus. To fail, you had to fail the survey. To get a fail minus, you had to fail the survey and put forward bills or legislation or argue or fight for laws or amendments that went against medical freedoms. Now, I didn't count how many of them got fail minus, but it was a lot of them, folks. But the sad part about this is it's the people who are supposed to be governing themselves according to what they tell us they are. Just like this walking out business. When I hear somebody is a conservative Republican, I feel like that allows me to know they're, they're supposed to be conducting themselves in a certain frame of mind when they are acting as an elected official. It means they should understand citizens' right to, to speak, the freedom of speech, the First Amendment, to redress the government. They should understand how important it is for citizens to feel heard. They should understand that when they are elected to a position where they are a representative, that they should be able to conduct themselves in a manner that is appropriate when they are one-on-one -on -one or when they are one-on-100 on if it's a town hall or if it's inside of a, a public meeting, a city council meeting, uh, a committee meeting for the state house or when they're, when they're down taking a vote and there are citizens there. When they're talking to voters, constituents, when they're talking to citizens, they should be able to conduct themselves in a way that corresponds with what they tell us they are. When I see that out of a hundred people, out of a hundred representatives, 70 or 71 of them are supposed to be Republicans. Now, out of that mix, there could be moderate Republicans, there could be left-leaning Republicans, but I would feel confident in saying that, what, 30 or 40, maybe 50 of them have stated at one point 
in their political career that they are a conservative Republican? I'd like to go down through and make a list out of the 71 or 70-some state representatives, how many of them call themselves conservative Republicans, Christian conservatives. I'd like to know how many out of the 70 or 71 of them I say that because they're supposed to be 71, and I think that one Republican resigned. I'm not really sure. It could have been one of the Democrats. I know that I, I know that we're down from 100 because one state representative resigned, and I think it's a Republican that resigned. It might have been a Democrat, but I believe it's the Republican. So I believe that takes us from the 71 Republicans at the state house in the state representative's side and the House side down to 70 because out of the 100 we have 29 democrats and 71 republicans and if one resigned that means we have 70 republicans out of those 70 republicans i would like to know how many identify as constitutional conservatives christian conservatives because if they use one of those titles I don't understand why. Because only two passed medical freedoms. Only passed with a pass plus. The highest grade. It's not an endorsement. They don't endorse. They don't support. They don't oppose. They just simply state who passed, who passed plus, who failed, or who failed with a minus. I'll have to go through and count how many of them was a fail minus. But that means, folks, that's that's scary. That means 68 Republicans have not argued, voted for, or pushed forward bills pertaining to medical freedom in the state of Indiana. That's crazy to me. That's crazy to me. Because that's just one aspect of being the constitutional conservative. That's why we can't just go off what someone says. Some of these people have been running for years and years and years. It doesn't matter that they say that they are constitutionally minded or that they are constitutional or Christian, Christian conservative or constitutional conservative. That doesn't matter. Their actions matter. The actions of the officials. Their actions, their vote histories matter. J.D. Prescott. He's the representative from District 33 in the state of Indiana. I have heard him say that he is a constitutional conservative, a Christian conservative, a Christian Republican, a constitutional Republican, more times than, than I could count. He failed with a minus, a fail minus on that exam. He also was one of the folks that I've been talking about that walked out. And he didn't walk out on me. He didn't walk out on somebody raising their voice. He didn't walk out when someone was asking him why he did this or that. He walked out when a 60 or 70, maybe, maybe, eh, no, mids, mids, late 60s, early 70s, year old woman who used to be his middle school or high school teacher stood up and told him that she liked him she said you'll always no matter what you do be one of my kids but i want to tell you a story when you were in school your mother told me your mother told me that only 30 percent of kids in schools parents are active in their school life. And J.D. says, don't talk about my mother. 
And the teacher didn't understand. And she said, it's true. She said that to me. And he said, don't talk about my mom. And he stormed out. What? JD, dude, don't let the door hit you on the ass on your way out. Do not pass go. Do not collect any more tax dollars. When he walked out, he was heading east, which is good because that's the direction of his farm. He needed to just keep on walking there, get in the tractor and start working and forget all about being state representative. He should never have went back to work. He should never have walked back into that room. The only reason he should have walked back into that room is to say, I am resigning. I'm not running for re-election and I am not taking another cent from you the taxpayers. I'm sorry, folks, but that is something that is unforgivable to me. Because I know I have had jobs that if I would have walked out on my employer, that would have been all she wrote. And people might say, well, what do you mean your employer? The employer, he's walking out on citizens. <laughs> That's right. He is. The citizens are his boss. The citizens are his supervisors. He works for that little old lady that asked him a question. He works for you. He works for me. He works for the folks that voted for him, and he works for the folks that didn't vote for him, and he works for the folks that specifically voted against him. He works for all of us. And if he doesn't have any more composure if he doesn't have any more guts or whatever to, to be able to stand, to, to not be able to stand there, to, to have to run and hide because he gets so angry, because he gets so worked up. It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Don't stop walking. If you start, don't stop walking. Commissioner John Richwine. Buddy, I, I used to respect this man. I'm still saying in a lot of ways I respect him, but I don't respect that walkout that he did on March 8th. I don't understand it. Don't understand it. We'll be right back after this quick break. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the 183rd episode of Perception is Reality. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode is brought to you by the National Concealed Carry Association. Check them out at the National Concealed Carry Association.com. The National Concealed Carry Association exists to serve the Second Amendment community by providing a nationwide network of 2A advocates, offering elite self defense and concealed carry training from the nation's top instructors, and providing rock bottom prices on the best selection of gear and accessories. Check them out at National Concealed SealedCarryAssociation.com. Do not delay. All right, folks, welcome back. Perception is reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. It's been great speaking with you. I mean, the big thing here is this is something that really pissed me off, and it's something that we have to really start paying attention to because... I feel like, specifically as we get closer to the election, number one, if these guys feel like, and girls, if these guys and girls feel like they've got nothing to lose, then they're going to double down on this behavior because then they know, hell, they've got two more years, four more years, depending on what they're running for, and they can just slide by and do what they want to do, and it's going to get crazier. Or if they feel like they are beat, if they feel like they are defeated and they are going out, then they're going to get crazier because they can do what they want to do. And in either of those cases, it's not acceptable and we must continue, continue holding them accountable for their actions, holding them accountable for what they're doing and holding them accountable because they're working for us. 
or supposed to be, and they are getting paid tax dollars that we pay into, folks. So this is something serious that we need to watch out for from the elected officials, but definitely, definitely from those folks that are called candidates that want you to vote for them, whether it's a first-time candidate or if it is an incumbent running for re-election, we have to hold them accountable as well. There are a little bit different rules when it comes to candidates versus officials, but that being said, I sure as hell know what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do when I'm dealing with a candidate, specifically a candidate that won't take time to communicate, a candidate that doesn't believe in transparency, a a candidate that doesn't feel like they have to care about accountability. Those people are not even going to get a look as far as I'm concerned, and they shouldn't you either, folks. This is make or break it. I really feel like we're in a situation now where we can really do some damage to these crazy people who are in office. I don't know if they're broken Republicans. I don't know if it's just what a Republican is, and I I have a different view. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if they're secretly uh, aliens. Honestly, I'm kind of being facetious and stupid now, but I, I really don't know what the deal is. I don't know what we call these people, but we don't call them public servants, and hopefully... After this election cycle, we won't be calling them elected officials. We'll be letting them go back to the private sector, back to their lives before they were in office, and we will be dealing with others that we've put in there, hopefully, that have our best intentions in mind and in heart. Ladies and gentlemen, you are absolutely fantastic. Remember to share the show with everyone you know. We can better government through our citizen involvement. It just takes each and every one of us to step up to the plate and to do our part. Remember, 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 education is important. Getting involved is important. Get registered to vote. If you haven't, get others registered to vote. We are knock, knock, knocking on the door to the election in this primary season in 2022. You guys are absolutely fantastic. Share the show with everyone you know. And until next time, you guys remember to stay safe. Stay tuned and stay true. God bless. I'll look forward to talking to you all again real soon. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com. Or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember, perception Perception is is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.